but we grabbed the pepper spray and we're like, we're just re- we're ready to burst out of the tent. And because um, this car is like coming just, and it feels like it must only be a couple of feet outside the door, and the lights are still just blazing on us, you know. And we're like, oh my god, like we're in the tent, bolt upright, just ready for action. And then suddenly we hear this voice. She's like. Hello, hello, sorry, sorry, we baked you some cookies. <laughs> Episode 304, Scott and Joe Roxy decided to get acquainted with their new home in the United States by bicycling across it. You're listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180 Tech. We talk with adventurers from around the globe to bring you the inspiration and motivation you need to get started in the outdoors or to keep you moving if you're already there. Now here's your host, Kurt Linville. Hello again. This is Kurt. Thank you so much for listening to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Man, I have a lovely couple on the line today from Australia. They moved to the United States, lived here for five years before returning to Australia just recently. They moved here in 2012, and they had a a wonderful way of sorting out where they wanted to live here. They biked all over the United States to try to select their favorite place. And then they found the place that they would call home, had an amazing adventure, and now back in Australia. Welcome to the program, Scott Pierce and Joe Roxy Vegan Lloyd. Hi, Kurt. Hey, Kurt. How you doing? So, Scott and Joe Roxy. Um, We were just talking about hyphenated names. And (laughs) by the time I say Scott (laughs) Pierce, Joe Roxy Vegan Lloyd, (laughs) we've got a lot going on there. I've got a double hyphenate name, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Hippie parents are to blame, not me being a wanker or anything. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So you are in Australia right now in the middle of a big rainstorm. Yes, and it's pouring and my chicken shed's about to fall over. So, But we've got Airbnb as we rent out our house on Airbnb. And we're about to go camping in the snow. Oh my! <laughs> um, yeah. um, but we're so we have to have everything perfect before the Airbnbs come. So I'm running around frantically trying to make sure it's not too muddy. Wow! So it's awesome. almost springtime in northern Australia. It's yeah. starting to get that way, and we're in the mid north coast. So we are in a little place called Smiths Lake, um, which is about three hours north of the Sydney Harbour Bridge if that's your uh, point of reference. So we're, where it starts to become pretty pretty dense, pretty pretty tropical, um, we're actually in a littoral rainforest here. Um, so Which does sound like littoral. <laughs> <Some point, laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, we do get a lot of rain, a lot of rain, a lot of wind, a lot of big storms. Yeah. Wow. So I don't use the bridge. I use the opera house for my frame of reference, if that's okay. Well, the opera house is under the bridge. <laughs> yeah, so, we're, so we've got, so it's about three hours and five minutes. North okay. Of the opera house. Or we could use the harbor, right? No, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So we were just exchanging notes before I press record about having chickens. And I shared yes. that we recently, last spring, lost all of our chickens to a bobcat family. And then no, you that's... shared something interesting about yours. Um, well, we have a, a diamond python that Scott's mother's called Melissa. I don't like that name, but it's stuck. <laughs> um, and she's about over three meters long. Wow. And then she tries to get into the shed more so in when it was warmer, yeah. but 
Um, she doesn't seem to be interested in the chickens. I feel like she's smart enough to know that if she leaves the chickens, the eggs will be more plentiful. <laughs> so she tries to eat the chickens, but the only way we can get rid of her is spraying her with a hose. Which is a very Australian thing to do. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a really. I feel like if a, there's ever a problem, just spray, spray it with a hose. hose. Yeah, it's very Australian. <laughs> it's a very Australian image us out there just uh, getting. Although wasting water isn't very Australian. <laughs> <laughs> well, does that work on the crocodiles too? Uh, luckily, we 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 don't. We have everything but crocodiles here, which I'm thankful for. Yeah, you got to go a little bit. They're, you have to go much further north. Yeah, they're 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 a bit more of our fair weather friends. Mm. Well, excuse my ignorance, but is a python indigenous? It is. Yes. That one is particularly, especially is, to this area, and it's wow. very important to the um, Waramai people, which are the um, original custodians of the land. Yeah. So the Waramai people who were originally here find the it's almost totemic the diamond python mm, so, so it's quite good luck that we mm, have it and it keeps away all the rats and mice and all those pesky things and the and i mean the diamond pythons are essentially harmless they move very slowly i mean they're so they're almost tame enough that you can just pick them up in the wild i mean i'm not mm. recommending that anyone do that nor do i do it myself i have touched the snake but i um I don't try and pick it up or anything like that, but they move very slowly and they tend to, uh, they, a lot of people around here will have them living in their roofs, whether they know it or not. But, um, but you know, as soon as they deplete whatever's living up there in terms of mice, we get a lot of bats and things like that. Um, as soon as they deplete the, the food source, they'll, they'll move on. But, uh, luckily for the snakes here, um, as far as we know, our one's been living in our roof for over a decade. The previous wow. owners of the house told us about it. Um, so she's been here for, for, for quite a long time and grown to a, a fairly large size. So. <laughs> she is absolutely beautiful. I have to say she's got yeah. this bright, bright yellow stomach and she's divine, but, um, other people don't find it that way. It's, so a, much. it's, it's a little bit of a concern given that our house is an Airbnb property. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we got to get a little bit more detail then, you know, aren't pythons constrictors? Yes. Yes. So totally. did you ever wake up in the night feeling a little bit extra constricted? Um, well, you know, that's just how you stay warm in the winter. No, and hopefully <laughs> that never comes to that. Hopefully it never comes to that. But, um, I mean, they've got enough food up in the roof that there's no reason for them to come down. I mean, as we said, they sit in the chicken shed and don't even look at the chickens as food. And wow. Just, like, just because of the, the size of the chicken. There is, a, there is there, you know, they could definitely take down a small dog. It'd have to be a pretty small dog. It'd have to be but, like a chihuahua. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but they don't, as I said, they don't move very fast. And um, uh, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. You know, I, I love to share your locale and in the setting of, of where you're talking to us, that just sounds fascinating. What time is it in Australia? I know it's tomorrow, but what time is it? It is 8.48 a.m. on the 25th of August. 8.48. So I am at 4.48. And, <laughs> on the 20th. Yeah. So, so we are in the future. So if you want to know what happens tomorrow, ask an Australian. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, you know, the reason that we started to have you on was to talk about your amazing American bike adventure, but I'm tempted just to talk about uh, <laughs> Australia. <laughs> <for that. laughs> yeah. Is this the first time you've had an Australian on the show? No, it's not. No, We've it's had Australians brilliant. before, and uh, it, but they were from Southern Australia. Um, we've talked yeah. to a few people from Perth and mm. areas around there. So I think you might be the first ones from north of Sydney. 
Okay. Mm, right on. Yeah. I mean, Australians are a pretty intrepid bunch. So I, I would be surprised if you hadn't had someone on the show before. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and I love it. I, I think Australia, you know, the reputation that it has among people who have been there is that you are some of the most friendly people on the planet. People love Australia because of the people. Yeah, I mean, it is we uh, we do we do very much benefit from a fantastic repu- reputation abroad, especially traveling as an Australian. I think that's one of the reasons why we do it so much is because um, you just kind of open your mouth and everybody sort of wants to talk to you. So right. <laughs> it's, uh, it's 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 definitely very advantageous for us that our reputation. Definitely abroad. in America, I think I wouldn't have gotten the job that I did get if I wasn't Australian. I think yeah. that they, yeah, if it was. Americans find us particularly charming for some reason. Yeah. So we, I felt very welcome in America. Crocodile <laughs> Dundee. I mean, it's got to be that. <laughs> you know, I've got we a got story. We've got a lot of like, yeah, yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Joe Roxy. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say we got a, out of a lot of driving fines and um, <laughs> drinking on the street fines uh-huh. by just like amping up the Australian accent in America and just being, oh, sorry, mate. Oh, geez. Didn't know. Bloody hell, eh? Didn't know you were allowed to drink on the beach. <laughs> so that is right in alignment with the story. But this this uh, story was not about an Australian. It was about a, a British fellow that I was um, – we attended – some business meetings in Las Vegas and had some time. So we went to go see the Hoover Dam. Mm-hmm. And when we got to the the security roadblock where they check to make sure that any cars headed in that direction aren't going to cause any problems, he veered off the road into a parking lot like he was trying to go around the roadblock. And he did it because <laughs> he had to use the restroom. Mm. But anyway, <laughs> here comes Homeland Security, lights flashing, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, no. And he goes, oh, don't worry. I'll just use my accent. <laughs> and sure as the world, he jumps out and, and flashes his, in this case, British accent. And and they were just mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> I thought, wow, how does yeah. that work? <laughs> it works like a charm. Yeah, it apparently. really does. <laughs> I mean, we shouldn't really probably be promoting this uh, in, the, in, 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 in the wider world. Yeah, that, that, the yeah that the um, that the way around Homeland Security is uh, is to use a fake Australian or British accent. <laughs> uh, but it certainly does get you out of a lot of situations. <laughs> well, that's great. That's fantastic. So why did you guys decide to come to the U.S.? So we'd been living in London for, Scott had been there for six years, I'd been there for two and a bit, and we actually met in London, and then um, my visa ran out, mm-hmm. and Scott wanted to go back to school in Australia, so we moved back to Australia, and I was not ready for it, um, and so I started to hatch plans about what I could do, because I knew I didn't want to be in Australia for too long at that point, and um ended up thinking America would be a good choice. I think at some point we'd actually said it like we were just going to move to America and it wouldn't be that difficult type thing. But, um, but you know, and, and then it is, it turns out it is actually quite difficult to move mm-hmm. and live in the U S you know, with the visa, uh, situation and all that. But, um, but we were lucky enough. We're DV one recipients, which is a, an online lottery where you can win American permanent residency. Like green card lottery. Wow. The green card lottery. And we actually won the we, we, we won our green cards through the green card lottery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah, so we were very it, it was funny because we sort of left England being like, Yeah, we'll just move to America. It'll yeah, be easy. We and were then just it like, all oh, sort of worked we, out. Yeah. <laughs> it must have I been feel, your accent. 
Yeah, <laughs> well, it's only certain countries that uh, are eligible. Yeah. And Australia is one of them, but each country has roughly the same allotment. And Australia is so small, really, that a lot of people at the per capita end up being able to get it when they apply because not that many people apply. Ah, okay. Well, that's cool. That's really cool. So yeah. forgive my ignorance again, is Australia still a, a British Commonwealth? Yeah, yes. yeah. But we're, we're currently talking a lot about that um, internally here about whether we become a republic. It's... Um, it seems lots of people want to wait for Queen Elizabeth to die out of respect. <laughs> out of respect, it is. Yeah, it's a funny old thing. We do have a strange relationship with our mother country, um, still. Uh, and being such a small, uh, relatively unpopulated uh, outpost in the in in the middle of nowhere, I think we I think we do tend to tend to grasp more strongly onto these these ties that uh, you know. Mm-hmm. That bind us to our history and to um and to allies should things go wrong. Yeah, right. Well, I would <laughs> yeah. imagine that would make it a lot easier for you to say live in Canada or like you were in London. Oh, precisely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Can, I mean, exactly. you go to any ski slope in Canada, and I guarantee you that anyone who's uh, working behind a counter will have an Australian accent. Mm. There you go. Whether yeah, yeah, whether whether it be a bar or where you're hiring your ski equipment from, you're going to find a lot of Australians. Banff and Whistler seems to be the the big two. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. So you hatched this plan to come to the U.S. and didn't mm. do a lot of planning, but it, what did you plan for, and how did you get here? Um, we knew that we had friends in Philadelphia, and that was a good good enough place to start. I mean, uh, somewhere to land and 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 stay for a couple of weeks where you get your bearings is always is always a good thing. But other than that, um, we really didn't have a, have a lot until we hatched a plan at some point um, to cycle across America. Um, and I was, we were talking about this last night and I still, I don't remember how really we came to that decision. Like we don't, we don't really, at that point we didn't know anyone um, that was a touring cyclist. We, Australia, it's, it, it didn't feel like something that a lot of people were doing. A, bit, a lot of people that do do touring cycling here in Australia, riding up the East Coast, up the East Coast, but it's sort of a, a can through to, um, Sydney and New South Wales thing. And we were down in Victoria where there's, where it's, you know, there's, there's another state's a long ways away. So I'd, we'd really never even seen a touring cyclist. Before. Well, no, cause I, I had it in my mind cause my father always did it. That's true. Um, so, I think it might have been – I was thinking I, I uh, last night when we were talking about it, I was thinking about how it came to be, and I do remember saying at one point, wouldn't it be great if you could just eat everything and not care? <laughs> when we moved to America, you know, just like guilt-free calories. Yeah. <laughs> and um, But my father always used to um, – tour around the world because he was a ophthalmologist and he used to go to conferences and at the conferences there was a crew that went for a bike tour at whatever country they were in so he did China he did France lots and lots of places everywhere where they stopped for a conference this group of people would go on a tour together so I think I was aware of touring that way Mm -hmm. but I didn't even learn how to ride a bike till I was 21 so it wasn't like top of mind for me no, but so you were 21. So as in you didn't know how to balance a bike or you just really hadn't spent time on one? Didn't know how to balance one, didn't wow. know. Yeah, I think I was a big disappointment to my dad when I was little cuz I was like just not interested. <laughs> um but uh yeah, so I wasn't even it wasn't top of mind ever. It's not like I had a big 
kind of driving passion for it. But Scott was super into cycling. Yeah. And loved doing. You'd done a few tours yeah, across I, the UK. Yeah, when I was in the UK, I rode across the UK a couple of times, and um, which sounds far more intrepid than it is because you can <laughs> ride across the UK in three days. Um, so it's 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 not that big deal. But that was all mountain bike, uh, sort of an early form of bike packing where you just put a backpack on your back, I suppose. Right. Um, yeah, but um, uh, so yeah, I'd done that sort of stuff. And I guess it all just, it, I really, I think at one stage we were like, oh, let's go driving. You know, we're going to the United States. Let's go drive around it and see all that stuff. And I think at that point we were like, okay, sitting in a car all day and then eating truck stop foods, not going to be that great for us. So maybe if we can incorporate, you know, eight hours of exercise <laughs> <laughs> into every day, we'll, um, we'll, we'll really earn our, um, we have Ross Rancheros every day. You yeah. know, with the average American diet, I think eight hours of exercise might be about right. And that's yeah. what we, I mean, given your, the, the worldwide reputation of the United States, that's what we were kind of banking on, like really <laughs> upping our calorie intake into like sort of, you know, six, 7,000 calories a day. So, I mean, we really needed to match that with, <laughs> really needed to match that with an appropriate amount of exercise. Well, some chicken fried steak with French fries, maybe, you know, throw in a big slice of pie and then a couple of beers oh. on top of that. Oh, <laughs> too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get you can get two or three thousand calories out of a meal. Yeah, oh, even easy, just yeah. one milkshake. Sometimes when it would be really hot when we were cycling, and you just needed energy and milkshakes. Like in the yeah, in so Kansas, many. there's nothing for miles. So you're like, oh, <laughs> just get a milkshake. Love milkshakes. And I was like, I've never been more full of in my life off like a small milkshake because they're so dense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot to that. So when yep. you got to Philadelphia, then, yep. so, goodness, you took off. I, I wrote down what you had here. Philadelphia, Denver, Jackson Hole, Hurricane, Utah, bust a little bit, ended up in L.A., but there's got to be a whole lot more to that story than just those yeah, so, four yeah. points. Well, okay. we were going to – we were thinking that we'd try and meet up with the Trans-America – Yeah, that, um, would, that, that, that would be what smart people would do. Yeah, so we were thinking we'd do the Trans-America bike ride, but when we were in Philadelphia, one of our friends was in a band <laughs> and um, they were about to go on tour. And so right when we were going to go off to our sensible, well-trodden path of the Trans-America Trail, we um, just... Decided to go to Columbus, Ohio Our instead. friend was like, our first gig's <laughs> in two weeks in Columbus, Ohio. And we were like, Why we don't can you... get there. We were like, we can do that. <laughs> You know, before we'd even started to ride, yeah, <laughs> just foolishly, yeah. and so we went to Columbus, Ohio, to meet them, and and so we completely changed our trip to go to a gig of bears. <laughs> so the issue was with that was that we started in early May and early April, mm. and um, and so we went up to Pittsburgh. Basically, mm. we 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 rode the outskirts of Pittsburgh just following a bunch of bike trails and whatever else seemed sensible on the day. But, um, but we hit snow basically right. and we weren't and we, and we hadn't packed anything for snow. We didn't think that that was going to be part of the we equation. We had like thermals and everything, but I can't tell you, it wasn't snow. It wasn't a snow, nicer yeah. word yeah. for it. It, it was, was slurry. Yeah, it was gross. It was, it was just, was just high winds. And um, so, so we were just really unprepared for that. Uh, I was absolutely. I I was so freezing. We in the middle of nowhere. There was this little Salvation Army thrift store, 
And we rolled up and I looked so cold and disheveled. The women wouldn't let me pay for the gloves, extra gloves and socks that I was. I think they thought, like, this poor girl, I had blue lips, I was shaking. It might also have been the accent. Oh, yeah, yeah. maybe it was the accent. It might have been the accent. Yeah, it could have just been part of the the, the accumulation of of, of good vibes that we get from the accent. But I'd actually never been that cold before in my life. Like, I lived in England, so, like, I'd been in snow and everything like that, but I was just unprepared and I was (laughs) so cold. And that's when I started to... That was one of the days where I was like, oh, I don't want to live in snow in New York. No, so that's like an interesting, that would be a good time to tell that story. Initially, when we started, so we flew into Philadelphia with the intention of cycling across the country and then flying back and and then residing in Brooklyn, New York, where every other Australian ends up. (laughs) So um, basically... Uh, it was at that point, it was pretty much that day where we were riding into somewhere into West Virginia, um, Wheeling, I think the name of the place was. And, uh, and, and that's when we, that's what was a particularly terrible, sleety kind of rainy, windy, awful day to be on your bicycle, um, trying to get, you know, 50 miles or something like that. And, uh, I think at the end of that day we got into, we were in a hotel room that night and, and we were just like, I don't think that we want to live anywhere where this happens. So, <laughs> <laughs> so New York was off the list. Yeah. I think like, um, everywhere, but the Southwest was at that stage. Yeah. <laughs> that I can imagine. Night for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Just <laughs> you know, Anna McNuff, she came to the U S and biked through all the 50 States. And that was one of the great adventures that she did. But when I asked her about the U.S., her response was, you have weather there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I said, what? Yeah. She goes, no, you have weather. <laughs> yeah. And everywhere, you know. But everywhere's different. And yeah. It's like, and then you get no rain, but it might mean that you're boiling hot. Right. And so the weather is a big thing. The wind in Wyoming, my gosh, like, I, I just couldn't even factor it in. In Australia, it's either pouring or it's hot. <laughs> That's yeah. about it. Um, and in the UK, it's very temperate. Like sure. everyone thinks that it's freezing there or anything, but it's actually throughout the year it only varies. Like it's just in cold Celsius, cold. like yeah. ten degrees <laughs> throughout the year. So it's never mm. that much of a shock. But America just has everything, and that's one of the greatest charms of it as well. You've got every type of weather. You've got every type of landscape. Like it's a it's an amazing place to be for, especially as an Australian where. Lots of our landscapes very similar, and all of our weather's pretty much similar. Besides, really south. Mm. Yeah. I remember. I mean, we sort of uh, after Columbus, we started. I mean, you start hitting um, Indiana, and sort of it was around that area. We were in southern Indiana, mm. and if you rode that far from the coastline of Australia. Um, it would be an awful, awful place to be. You know, it would be a, just a desolate desert and you wouldn't have anyone around for for a long, long way. Um, and here we are in the middle of America in between the two coasts and it is just so green and so lush, you know. <laughs> and as an Australian, it's just it's 
almost impossible to have that much. Like, I mean, in terms of a farming system, you couldn't design a better one than America, you know, like these two huge mountain ranges that go down each coast and oh, just yeah. funnel all this water bang into the middle of it, you know. Like, it, it's just it's such an incredible – it's an inve- another – as a traveler myself, it's a terrible stat and I don't like it, but um, the, 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 the rate that Americans have passports, you know, people always point to that one. I can't remember what the exact number is, but it's, but it's pretty low. Sure. Especially um, – and but, I mean, you can almost justify it because you have such varied landscapes. I mean, you just kind of have everything in America. <laughs> there's a lot. And, I mean, there's yeah, a lot. Yeah, I mean, you've got every type of environment that, you that, that you know, really – in fact, I can't think of a type of environment that you don't have. You know, so you can visit everything without ever leaving the – without leaving the country. Yeah, even like Yosemite. I could spend my whole life in Yosemite and not get bored, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Fall is the best time to start thinking snow, and Bentgate Mountaineering is ready to help you get prepared for your epic winter. Come check out the latest in alpine touring, telemark, NTN, and splitboarding gear. Brands like Black Crows, DPS, Dinafit, G3, Icelandic, K2, Technica Blizzard, Arcteryx, Mammoth, Solomon, Vole, Never Summer, Jones, and BCA. And you need to be safe out there. Bentgate has the latest in avalanche safety gear from beacons to airbags, and they are ready to help you educate yourself on snow safety. You can also rent skis, boots, splitboards, beacons, shovels, and probes at Bentgate. What's more, they host free demo ski days at local resorts so you can try out the latest gear. Stop by Bentgate in Golden, Colorado, or go to bentgate.com to check out your new gear as well as to get updates on all of their events. Well, it, it is a, a wonderful place to be, no doubt. But Americans need to travel more. We need to absolutely. We need yes. to get out of the the fifty states and see how the rest of the world operates. And that's one of the reasons why we love to do podcasts on adventure travel, because yeah. I think there's so much value in it. You know. But hey, for those of you outside of the U.S., come here, and there is a lot <laughs> yes. to see and do for sure. Yeah, and nice people. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. helps that helps especially yeah. if you're australian yeah <laughs> so you're biking all this way and you're you're yeah. fairly new to biking it sounds like joe roxy you were really new to biking so well i i'd been cycling for how since i was 21 but not seriously i started getting more serious about 23 when i would cycle to work every day and that was okay. the extent of it yeah. and then um when i moved to london i absolutely hated the tube like hated the tube so I was like I'm getting a bike and cycling everywhere I'm not getting in the tube mm-hmm. um and then from then it was like just a very everyday thing for me to use my bike but then when we started to hatch this plan I I did know that I was pretty far behind Scott's um fitness on a bike and just uh, even coordination like I couldn't take my hands off the handlebars riding when I started even when I was on the tour, I actually first time was in Missouri that I remember I took my hands off the bike and <laughs> was able to do that while I was riding. So I was very new, so I did need to train. So I was training. I was trying to do at least twenty kilometers a day, 
um, mm. training. And then, uh, yeah. That so, was about, it was probably the last two months before yeah. we left. Yeah. So, so how did you, how did you find biking when you jumped on the bike and you're putting in good distance every day? Um, I loved it. I was super fit and it was also lovely because I, we, we were living in Melbourne at the time and Melbourne has such amazing bike paths. You can ride all along the Yarra River mm. and uh, you can basically not hit a traffic light for hours if you didn't want to. Um, so it's a great cycling city. Mm. And then, but then after that, we moved to Sydney for a bit. Um, right before we left the last month and a half mm. and Sydney is basically like San Francisco, San Francisco for hills yeah mm. and okay. I was like and Melbourne's super flat so I had a whole new thing to work out um, <laughs> just trying to get fit for hills and I'm so glad I did do that because I don't think I would have been able to do a lot of our um, touring over big mountain ranges if I hadn't have lived in Sydney because I was riding. I ended up getting a job on the north shore of Sydney and the hills there are insane. And I used to ride 13 Ks to mm. and from work every day and it was all hills. And, hills all, yeah. and I got to ride across the Harbour Bridge every day, which was absolutely magnificent. If anyone gets a chance to do it, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, so it was a challenge for me, but I found it really exciting and it was um, – I don't know, I just always feel like there was such freedom in cycling. It wasn't waiting for the tube. It wasn't waiting for or trying to find a park. It wasn't – it literally was just you could do, do it whenever you wanted. It was like a uh, – because I started to cycle so late, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is what it felt like when I first got my driver's license, like mm. this freedom, you know. It was this whole new sense of freedom, and I was just loving it. Mm. Well, what about traveling by bike, going the distance? Do you, do you yeah. prefer that as a mode for travel now? Um, listen, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't have a big craving to do lots of bike touring where I would be going for a really long time. We ended up, it took us 85 days to get across America. And if it was like two weeks, three weeks, I think I could do it. But I don't think I could do that really long um, span again. I got really bad um, shoulder pain. My hands mm. were numb for about three months after. And I'm sure I just had the wrong size bike and all that. And I could be better next time. But it, it, it hurt my body a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it certainly can. And the racers that we have on the show that do long endurance races, they yeah. Yeah. they get lots of those sorts of injuries, even when they when are fit head, perfectly when to their head, bike. That thing where their head goes floppy. The, the neck. Uh, oh, What's yeah. that called? Oof. That's so petrifying. Yeah. yeah. But mine they was duct tape their helmet like, to their jersey. I know. Oh. Mental. Um, Not for me, <laughs> obviously. But I'd do it again, but shorter trips. Or if somebody wanted to ride behind me and carry on my gear, I could go forever. <laughs> like with a little camper van with a kitchen and a proper bed in it. I could just go <laughs> forever then but camping at the end of cycling for a long day is not fun it's a long period of time yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i don't think that this is i mean this is the thing when you talk about long bike rides a lot of people just look at the distance that you did and and things and things like that you know um but what i and what i feel like is always brushed over is just how uh mentally taxing it is to end most days 
having to pitch a tent, you know, and then usually not getting a great night's sleep and, and all that. So, I mean, this is very much the nature of adventure, but especially when it's sustained over a period of nearly three months. Mm. Um, mind you, we were, you know, we were splitting up the camping with, uh, with, with other accommodations, but, you know, it is, um, it isn't, it isn't, it, it, it's very achievable still. Um, and it, you feel good after you've done it, but at the time you're like, oh man. <laughs> do it. just going inside feels like such a joy like you walk into a gas station and you're like oh out of the elements this is so good you know well i've never done more than seven days on a mm. bike and i thoroughly enjoyed seven but it's like you said 85 maybe it gets a little long <laughs> yeah but i mean that's also the battle that's that's the battle and that's why you kind of um that's why you end up doing these things because the achievement um, that you feel afterwards is, is, and, and the satisfaction of, of, of doing it just because you wanted to is, uh, it, it's for me, that was, I mean, the trip was absolutely worth it the whole way through just mm. for that. I mean, I know there were certain times when Joe Roxy, I'd find Joe Roxy and she'd be sort of, she'd be upset and be like, why are we doing this? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I think that was all of Wyoming. I found Wyoming so difficult. Yeah. So, so difficult. Was it the wind oh. or the hills? The wind. wind. The hills I actually liked because um, it meant you were a bit buffered from the wind. Yeah. But the hill, the wind was just so intense. Right. And um, and the distances. There's... And wind makes you go a bit mad as well, even when you're not cycling. It's just that kind of, you can yeah. ask teachers, like my nieces and nephews go crazy on windy days. Like <laughs> it's just a strange experience. But um, it was, uh, I don't know, I found it every day was I had a goal and that was it. And it was really great to just be like, this is my life, just pedal <laughs> on. But some days I did just go, why am I doing this? I'm like, I, and I I'm, I'm always like, you can't ask that question. As soon as you start asking that question, we'll never make it. <laughs> yeah, it's, then it's, this it's is, all over. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. This, is, this is the most futile, like <laughs> ridiculous thing to do when you really break it down where – we're supposed to be doing it for fun, and we're not having fun right now. So we've got every reason to quit, but you know, you just um, you just keep going. But then you could have like three bad days, and then you just have one good meal somewhere unexpected, or meet one nice person who did something lovely, or see one thing, and it makes you just pumped to do a whole mm. other month, you yeah. know. So even though it got hard. The good things were well outweighed it. Oh, for sure. Well, let's let's get some Australian yes. perspective about the United States, just for fun. Go on. Um, yeah. What was surprising about the U.S. when you started your bike? Or you rode your bike for 85 days. So out of that 85 days, what was the big surprise? Um, I had – so there's two things for me. One thing was I was really – especially con being confronted in Virginia by how – um, there were whole towns that were kind of dead, mm. like around the old steel belt, the, and rust, everything. Belt the rust belt yep. area. It was yeah. really stark. And in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that's how Trump happened, you know. <laughs> but at the time, I was still really amazed by it because, as Scott said, you go anywhere into Australia and there's nothing there. And there were, was stuff there. And it was like, but it was, there were dead towns. But then you go further in, and I was like, oh, my gosh, what are these university towns that are awesome and fun? Almost in every state you could find a cool university town in the middle of nowhere. Sure, yeah, we don't really we have, don't, we, we we don't, don't we have don't, that We don't have that all. equivalent, no. 
And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's this great coffee shop in the middle of Kansas or something like that. <laughs> there were like little bastions. Okay. Um, of, uh, it of was stuff. an oasis yeah. sure. every time we found one. And I had no idea that that how I understood that it, there was like university towns, but I didn't get we didn't, the extent of it. We've never experienced them really. No. Yeah. Because Australia, we just don't have it. All of our universities are concentrated in the major cities, which is probably to our detriment because we could really um, revive some of our more regional towns, I think, if we uh, yeah. shifted our education industries there. But um, so, I mean, because they're just lovely places in America whenever you, you know, luck onto one. Oh, any big art college town, always a treat. <laughs> yeah. Nice bars, good people. Yeah. Lots of fun. <laughs> it, it creates a more diverse population and there's a lot yeah. of... Yes. Of youth and vitality and yeah. No, I love yeah. I love university towns. I'm with you. Matter of fact, we yeah. just moved to one. So there you go. Oh, I'm jealous then. Boulder? No. no? I, I lived outside you. of Boulder in the mountains for yep. over twenty years, but you know, you were talking about the Wyoming wind. Yeah. yeah. The wind blew north out of Wyoming and we were at eighty six hundred feet. So the wind blew through yep. this mountain valley and we were the first thing it hit. Yeah. Okay. And so great. we had, so, yeah, we had lovely. winds over 100 miles per hour several times a winter and constant winds in the wintertime. So we moved farther west and mm -hmm. escaped the winds, hopefully. We think we did. And we moved mm -hmm. to Gunnison, which is a college uh, yeah. town up central. In, yeah, up in, up in the hills. We rode through that, didn't we? I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure we no, did. I no? I think we just drove through it recently. Uh, yeah. We're always in Denver. Yeah, we're uh, driving. Right. Because on, on our bike ride, I've met the my best friend I've ever made as an adult, <laughs> um, staying in her Airbnb in Denver, and now we're always going to Denver and um, just I fell in love with Denver when yeah. I was there. Denver was high on the list of places I wanted to move to. Well, don't say that too um, loudly because everybody's moving here. <laughs> Okay, well, that right. was 2012. That we would have been so ahead of the curve. Yeah, we would have been cool. But I also, <laughs> in Denver, I just fell in love with everyone I met. Like, yeah. And it's such a diverse population if you um, go go to certain places in the city. Like I had the best Ethiopian meal of my life there. Mm. Um, I just loved it. And But I met who just through staying at an Airbnb, um, the best friend I've made as an adult. And that's probably one of the more surprising things. I mean, it, it sort of ties into, but just the people, you know, yeah. and like the experiences that you have, like I didn't really expect to have made long lasting relationships out of the transient experience of moving every day on my bicycle. Mm -hmm. You know, it just so happened that we um, needed a bit of a rest and we would, we, we, we were never in the race across America. You know, it was always going to be a leisurely, uh, a trip across so we had seven days in in denver and just picking the right airbnb led us to this you know uh, a friendship that we that we maintain still you know uh in the 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 person andrea moore that we that we're friends with is about to come out to australia in a couple of months you know it's it's i mean that's one of the joys of of travel you know the the kind of the the little treasures that you find along the way and a lot of the time the those little treasures take the take the shape of people that you meet, and yeah. uh, and I mean, there's a lot of other people that we met along the way that were just our our friends for the day, you know. Sure. <laughs> um, but just you know, the kindness of strangers type thing. Are you sure um, it's not just the accent, Scott? It absolutely <laughs> is the accent. <laughs> it absolutely is the accent. I mean, I remember one of my favorite uh, 
my favorite experiences, Clay Center uh, in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was basically that's kind of as you're riding across Kansas, you hit eastern Kansas, and that was really surprising for how green it was. We had uh, Kansas as flat and and cornfields in our in our mind, but uh, eastern Kansas was actually quite beautiful. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, so Clay Center is kind of where where the, the the last stop on that on that green belt, <laughs> if you will. Um, and and you start sort of looking at the the, the flat, flat plains, um, but we're we're sort of there and and we and we turn up and uh, and supposedly you can camp in the uh, in the city city park there. It's a very small town, but uh, it, I read somewhere on the internet that that's allowed. And so I asked, stopped. And I found this school and I spoke to the school teacher and I sort of, do you know where the city park is? Because it's not really well designated, just a patch of grass kind of in the middle of the town. And I'm like, do you know if you're allowed to camp there? And she's sort of like, I don't know. I've never really seen anyone doing it. She's like, I guess you'll be okay if, you know, you don't get, if you, if you, you know, worse it'll happen is you get moved on. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, and we're still kind of new to that part of the country. You know, you're not sort of sure what to expect of people and all that sort of thing. So anyway, we go set up the tent and we're in the city park and um, we sort of tuck ourselves in behind some trees. I can't so stress you enough, though. It's yeah. not a park at all. It's no, like a, a, an empty field, lot, like a lot. lot of So we were basically very worried about whether we should be there or not, and we were very conscious of that. So we sort of tucked ourselves up into bed. It's become night. And then suddenly this car comes roaring up on us. And I'm like, oh God, these are the old boys that we've heard about. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and like, and they literally come and just. I literally, I grabbed, we had um, pepper spray. For, for bears. <laughs> for bears and dogs type thing. <laughs> bears so in Kansas, it. you got to watch out for them. Yeah, <laughs> so, but we grabbed the pepper spray and we're like, we're just, re- we're ready to burst out of the tent. And because um, this car is like coming just, and it feels like it must only be a couple of feet outside the door, and the lights are still just blazing on us, you know. And we're like, oh my god, like we're in the tent, bolt upright, just ready for action. And then suddenly we hear this voice. She's like, "Hello, hello, sorry, sorry, we baked you some cookies." <laughs> <laughs> and we get out of the tent, and it's this school teacher who we really only had like a very quick conversation with. She was obviously minding, you know, a big class of kids, so she had other things on her mind. But she'd come back with her husband, and this was with like two huge bags of fresh baked cookies, cookies. Oh, and two great. loaves banana bread <laughs> i almost cried it was so sweet so did you use the pepper spray <laughs> no we didn't have to <laughs> no. they turned out to be quite nice the cookies then use the spray they, they did end up um staying and talking for so long with their car lights on while we were talking that their car battery went flat yeah and that's actually one of my favorite quotes from the whole trip so basically he that the guy the guy had to um, call his mother-in-law, who happened to be about 95 when she, she turned up. And she was amazing. She told me she lived throughout the um, depression, or depression something. Oh, yeah. and the dust bowl era. era, <laughs> era and yeah. She was a fascinating woman. But she came out at night with, like, her rollers in her hair. She's 90-something. Driving a car around. A, a jump at start. night, yeah. But um, so he yeah, had to, to give a jump start. But the quote was, so basically when he went to start his car again and realized that he'd uh, flattened the battery by leaving the lights on for too long, he just looked at me and he said, well, Pulling stunts like this will sure keep a guy humble. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I constantly refer back to that in uh, every, pretty much every time I fall off my bike. Now I tend to think that exact yeah. phrase. But we had um so many that that wasn't even an isolated incident. Like people were so 
nice through the midwest especially through the midwest yeah. sure. and they were like why just their fascination with like why are you here yeah because we really like, didn't we weren't did on the trans-american trail for very much of the trip at all it was like right. the the bit through wyoming that was about it and that part is so uh so sparse that there's you don't really notice that you're on a a, a bicycle touring highway um mm. as it were but uh but yeah so because we were just following, I think we followed Highway 40 across Kansas and people just generally don't see a lot of cycle tourists up there. So there was a lot of interest. I had like beautiful, all the farmers would stop and give me whatever they had on their, like whatever they'd just pick. Right. I got like a whole, a whole tray of strawberries one day from this sweet old man. Like everyone was very lovely. Again, oh, probably the good. Australian accent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every I feel like we were just very lucky with our experiences. We didn't really have any bad experiences no. in terms of people. No. And we also, like, we stay, I don't know if you know Warm Showers. Oh, that sounds familiar, but help me so out. Warm, shower, warm Showers is, um, some. it's kind of like couch surfing, but it's only for touring cyclists. So people... Set, um, it's a website, obviously, and people put their houses up to say you can stay at my house for free if you're a touring cyclist. You can either camp in the yard and use my warm shower, hence the name, or they, lots of people let you just stay in their house. And mm. it's lovely. We stayed with a guy in Jackson Hole for, what? Three nights. Three nights while we were doing Yellowstone. And they threw a street party. They and threw they like threw a, a little, street party little for block us. party. Everyone came <laughs> <Right> <laughs> But it was perfect because it did snow there, didn't it? So yeah. we wouldn't have wanted to be camping. No, it wouldn't have been nice. But, I mean, we're um, returning the favour now and we're warm showers hosts down here in Australia. So, so anytime anyone's dry, uh, riding through uh, Smith's Lake that listens to your podcast, look us up on warm showers. Mm-hmm. There you Come go. Come stay tonight. Yeah. You can stay with Scott and Joe Roxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's the name of the python? Melissa, Melissa too, and some chickens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and some chickens, and, and the best dog in the world. Yeah, of course, Von. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fun. Want to help support the Adventure Sports Podcast? You can either become a member of our ASP member deal site at members.adventuresportspodcast.com. Or you can become a sponsor on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash adventuresportspodcast. Thanks for listening, guys. The Bearline Plus by 180 Tech is the handiest Bearline utility cord system you can find. This is not your typical Bearline. Our lightweight cord system is designed to be compact, lightweight, frictionless, and very versatile. Don't risk losing your dinner. Hang it the right way. The Bearline Plus is designed to suspend food between two trees up to 40 feet apart and 15 feet above the ground with much less effort than other Bearlines. Not only does the Bearline Plus keep your food away from bears, it is designed to be useful for many other needs including a motorcycle and ATV recovery system, tie-downs, straps, backpack repair, guy lines for tarp or tent, a tow line, block and tackle, and much, much more. Find your Bearline Plus at 180tech.com or retailers near you. told us what was surprising about the United States. Do you have a 
a favorite location, having biked through so many different places? I know you ended up in L.A., but besides L.A., we'll get to L.A. Besides L.A., what was one of your favorites? Oh, the day where we were riding down uh, the Tiawadi Pass. Is that what it's called? Tiawadi? Tiawadi. Yeah, something like that. And you see it's the on the Teton. north side of the Rockies. I can't remember. And you remember. see the Tetons for Oh, the no, no, first that's time. when you're going into there. Yeah, you're yeah, quite yeah. Right, here. right. And as it was such a hard climb up this hill for Tiawadi Pass, I'm pretty sure it's called. Something or like Tiaw- that. Or Tiawadi yeah. Pass. Going up this hill, uh, hill, it was a mountain, but climbing all, all day. I can't tell you, it was a really steep ride and it just felt like my legs were leg, uh, led that day. And as I was cycling up the hill, it was awesome. We'd met people the night before at a restaurant we went to and then it happened to be that they were doing work at the very top of the hill and they saw me coming. They were like, yeah, get it, go, go, go. <laughs> right and so on. as I... As I crested this mountain feeling very proud of myself and I had all these guys going, yeah, do it, um, we started to go downhill and it was the first time that you caught a glimpse of the Tetons. Yeah, and we hadn't even known that that oh was something my, that was going to happen. I didn't know that that existed. Yeah. I, can't t- I knew we were going to Yellowstone, but I, the Tetons didn't come into it for me. And Australia is so flat, so mountains are very exciting. And I can't tell you, I was blown away i just thought it was one of the most beautiful beautiful things i've ever seen Mm. the tetons were just incredible and i've been back since and i feel like i'm still blown away by them yeah just because they come out of nowhere they're just like teeth emerging from the ground you know it's um they're in and so the guy that we ended up staying with in jackson hole who we met through warm showers um he he uh was some kind of medic at Yellowstone or something like that. One of the ones that helicopter in and help people. Okay. And he, and he and his father had placed the marker that uh, designates where the summit of, um, of, of the Tetons are. So they'd, they'd climbed it a bunch of times and he'd, the last time that they'd done it, uh, I think his, his father was in his mid seventies or something like that. Wow! <laughs> I know. So I got a picture of them on sitting on the, the summit of the of, of the Tetons. I mean, Chuck, who we stayed with, must have even been you know probably mid fifties himself. Mm. But um, very very active, very very intrepid guy too. And well, that's, that's the fantastic. That's, that's the other nice thing about warm showers is I mean the people that are opening their doors to you are usually uh, adventure travelers themselves. So. Um, a lot of good stories, <laughs> that's for sure. Oh, that's great. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. I also, I also really loved, uh, everyone thinks I'm mad when I say this, but I really loved riding across Kansas. Mm, it was like a mental struggle for Scott, but yeah. for some reason for me, I don't know if it's just I got my legs properly or something, but I listened to Goodbye Yellow Brick Road by Elton John, the whole album, over and over again. <laughs> I felt like it was the best thing ever (laughs) like it was just I found it easy riding but it was just a different landscape for me so it might be boring to everyone else but to me it was quite exotic in a way yeah it's 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 reminiscent I wasn't that wasn't on the list to move there though I must say (laughs) (laughs) well I used to only like places with lots of trees. But I remember when that changed as I was driving across Kansas, one of the dozens and dozens of times that I've done that. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, this is lovely. The, yeah. the long rolling hills, the huge yeah. swaths of green and, and 
amazing skies. You know, this is it. The weather forever. Exactly. In Australia, we always say we've got big sky. I can't even. The light is very different here, but Mm. you always get a big sky because we're so flat. Because we're so flat, it's just like you always have space to the sky. Mm. And riding through Kansas, I got the same feeling, and also lots of places in um, Colorado that sense of big sky. Sure. Oh, and I loved every single bit of Colorado pretty much. Yeah, it's pretty easy to love. Yeah. But don't say it too loud because everybody's moving here. <laughs> I know. I think the secret's out, Kurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I believe if you like to have four seasons that Colorado has the best weather on the planet. But yes. mm-hmm. you have to like four seasons because there are definitely four seasons here. Yeah. Yeah, and our big our, – our, it's lovely to be an outdoorsy type person, but our big activity is actually surfing. So – um, and surfing while liberating in the sense that it, it takes you traveling to far fun places where there's no other reason to be there other than the good waves as demonstrated by the fact that there's no one but surfers there. Mm. Um, it's, it's kind of limiting in the sense that, uh, if you're going to move to America and, uh, still be able to surf you, your options are, are, are pretty limited. So, yeah. um, well, not really, actually. I mean, the whole East coast gets waves too, but, mm. uh, but you know, you'd, but that was that was that was our big strike against denver i think if you guys could just get a get a get a wave garden there in colorado um then uh then then you might have a couple more australian residents (laughs) yeah (laughs) in terms of moving but in terms of like where we wanted to move to like a a big riding across kansas even though i was having a great time it was one of the realizations where i was like oh i really really need to be next to the ocean Mm, or the sea like I felt very um a bit claustrophobic (laughs) just not having the ocean next to me because I've always lived next to the ocean yeah I think that's a real Australian affliction Mm. yeah well when the ocean gets in your blood it's hard to shake that's for sure. It is for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the water's a water's a, a big deal. I remember living in London and cycling just across the Thames, like in as you sort of in the middle of town, and just getting that momentary thing where you're in the middle of the bridge, cruising along, and just sort of surrounded by water, and and just sort of suddenly feeling like, oh, why does this feel so good? <laughs> <laughs> and then being like, oh, it's because I'm surrounded by water again. This is lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there is one wave in Colorado. It's on the Colorado River, and people surf it when the when the river's running right. Yeah, we actually saw people doing um, river surfing on our trip um, as we were going out of um, Jackson Hole. Yeah, Remember that's that right. Day? Yeah, I, yeah I think, that's right. We're it was in the... a tiny, It was more like a creek than a river. But the weird part was was that we because we kind of we needed to pull over for lunch anyway. It was kind of lunchtime, and. Um, we had a little pack lunch going at the time, a couple of sandwiches. And uh, and basically we were riding along and we're in south of Jackson Hole somewhere. So, you know, big gorges and trees and all that sort of stuff. And then suddenly I see these two guys jump out in of their cars in wetsuits carrying surfboards. And I was like, hang on, what's going on? <laughs> Disconnect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is this doesn't seem right. And so basically, yeah, we um we kind of we kind of tailed them surreptitiously and uh and uh, and and followed them down the gorge and sort of perched high above them up on a, a little vantage point. Ate our lunch, watching him do a little bit of river surfing. I was like, oh yeah, I can, I can, I, I can see the point to that. That looks pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, but the wetsuits, I don't know. That takes something out of it. 
Well, I mean, you know, it's it's. I mean, it was it was middle of summer at that point, I guess. But, um, but I mean, but we got we got snowed the night before, so yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. I, I'm still I'm still a bit of a pansy, even here where we've got warm water in the north coast of New South Wales. Uh, you start to hit the warm water area, so. Uh, but even still, I'm in a wetsuit as 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 often as possible. There's <laughs> <laughs> a sense of security as a as a as a Scott grew up in yeah, Victoria, which is cold water. actually cold water um, yeah, right. down south of Australia. So, I've so just, he's I, very used to it. I hate wetsuits. Yeah. I think they're an affliction. <laughs> I <laughs> I just feel like if you have to wear a wetsuit it's not as enjoyable. Yeah. Um but he loves it. Yeah, it, it's good though because I have had a few nasty spills where my fin hit me or something, and if I wasn't wearing a wetsuit, it would have been pretty bad. But yeah. instead, I just get a big bruise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's fun, man. I don't know how to wrap all this up. We're we're running low on time already, but it seems like we've just started the interview. Yeah. It's so much fun visiting with you about your adventure across America. I guess I have to ask this: Would you uh, recommend it to people? If people I'd wanted absolutely. to see the U.S., is that a good way to do it? A hundred percent. And there's 100%. such amazing – Um, I think don't be like us. Don't go off the track. I think if you <laughs> stayed on the tracks, like the Katy Trail was amazing, which is an old bike trail. And that's, has, and that's part of the Trans-America. Yeah, and that's part of I'm the Trans-America. Sure. It, it would be um, so much more enjoyable than the way we did it as mm. well. Like even though I did enjoy what we did, I think if you – Anyone could do it on the Trans-America Trail. If I can do it, honestly, any person can do it. Mm. Like, I can't stress it enough. Like, everyone's like, that's amazing. I'm like, it's really not. It was hard in places, but honestly, I think anyone could do it. And the great thing about cycle touring is it's not, it's not it's a pretty low barrier to entry, you know. Even buying top-of-the-range gear, um, you know, you, you're still in for a few thousand dollars. I mean, let's not say that it's, you know, because especially if you're doing something of three months length, I do thoroughly recommend buying a bicycle that's fit for purpose and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, you know, once you're going, once you've outlaid that money, you know, if you're enjoying it, you could, I mean, we met one guy who actually had 17 cats with him on his, and, on he, his and he was he was on his 22nd um consecutive trans-american so he was just backwards and forwards backwards and forwards so wait and a minute he had these now, cats on his bike two two you know those things that you take the the pets on the plane with you know those right. little plastic cage things two of those stacked one on top of each other on the back of no, his panera three of them it was so high it was, yeah, it was, <laughs> how many cats it was 17, 17 like most cats. of them most of them lots of them were kittens lots he of them were kittens like he picks up straight wherever yeah. he goes he uh, obviously was a bit of a character. Yeah, he was a character. Biker. Yeah, yeah, he's the cat biker, yeah. Um, but, um, he, we, like, literally, it was on a busy trail where we met that guy and we kind of just, like, nodded at him, like, kind of thing, just say hey because we were going places and he was like, hey, aren't you going to stop to chat? And I was like, oh God, I really, I, was, I did think, oh, yeah, I want to chat to you. This <laughs> is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but yeah, so that was that was an interesting. So one. I do think any. Yeah, and I mean, and really. the other thing is too. I mean, we were newlyweds at the time, um, and I don't think that we would have 
the marriage that we do today oh, yeah. had we not been through that as well. So, I mean, I'm not recommending it for people who might be on a shaky ground in terms of their relationship because yeah. it'll, it'll – We it'll... saw a few couples on um, uh, tandem bicycles and we'd call them divorce mobiles because <laughs> there would, they would always be someone on the back or the front going, oh, pick up your legs or something like that. <laughs> so I, yeah. But I do think it's um, good um... – It teaches you a lot about each other and, like, you go into some really uh, situations where you have to – dig deep and kind of rely on each other and it's a good thing to take uh in like going forward into into the rest of life because it uh because i mean that's probably a lot harder than than the majority of our life so if we can survive that we can do anything yeah i think you learn patience with one another and um (laughs) (laughs) and i think scott learned to (laughs) make me stop crying pretty easily as well (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just always make sure I've had something to eat <laughs> and have a beer at the end of the day and I'll be fine. <laughs> well, yeah. it sounds like you had a, a wonderful time. It really does. We did. We did. We did. And I mean, and the long and short of the story is we did survive, obviously, mm. um, and uh, cycled into Los Angeles. And it's there's nothing like cycling into a city with just two bicycles and, and six panniers full of... Uh, of of um of cycling gear and thinking okay well this is your new home let's go wow. let's go let's go try and rent an apartment get jobs and <laughs> yeah yeah do all those things one adventure into the next it was, yeah. it was a good time so yeah. you were five years in LA and and how did that turn out for you loved it loved we it. loved it yeah. we um spent a, a pretty we spent the first two years always in, uh, like completely in LA but then um last three years we were living. Um, half the year in Mexico or El Salvador, mm. um, and then half the year in LA. Yeah. So we um, Bloody had services. a ball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but LA's LA's such a fun city to live in in terms of where you can go for your weekends. You know, you've got every you've got so many different climates that you uh, can go visit within Joshua three hours. Tree, I, you know, I just it was a big factor moving to LA after we'd done the the bike ride that we'd done that I knew that there was. You could go to the mountains really quickly. You could go to the desert really quickly. You could go surfing amazing big, places. Big sir, and, you know, like it's it, California is incredible. Yeah, and it had all the little things that I liked about everything uh, everywhere else I'd been on the trip. Mm. But in the yeah. end, you're back in Australia. Yeah, yeah. it's it is no place like home, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> and also there's no place like being I, we've got little nieces and nephews that we oh. want to be around while they while they still want to cuddle us yeah and i mean it doesn't just because we're home doesn't mean we've stopped traveling so no. we've got a uh, we're going up to the mountains today into the snow yeah i mean but also you know and we you know we can still take as australians do we don't tend to travel like two weeks at a time so we'll probably still be doing our big long trips all the time yeah well For that's sure. wonderful and you know let's go to the the 30,000 foot level. Obviously, mm-hmm. the two of you love travel, adventure, big life experiences. Um, what's it like to live an adventure focused lifestyle? Um, very pleasant. Um, I think that people think that this happens by luck. Mm-hmm. Um, but we really made a conscious effort to make our life this. Mm. Um, we, we don't have kids, which helps. Um, we also don't – we prefer to not spend our money on frivolous things. We like to spend our money um, to save it. We've got 
a house, luckily, which means we can rent it out when we go away. Mm-hmm. Um, we've really, we also have a lot. Uh, moving to America made me realize at least that I shouldn't have so much stuff mm. so I can be mobile. Right. Moving to America with nothing was liberating. Yeah. So liberating. And I think not having much stuff or is great to just pick up and go whenever you want. Yeah. Um, but having said that, I mean, that's a, that we did arrive with nothing, but when we moved home, we have a third of a container that we had shipped by sea. Yeah. So we like, so, so while we've uh, learnt our lessons, we haven't learnt them as thoroughly as hoped just yet. So, well, and you I, did, you did let you us gotta, know you can do this yeah. with 17 cats. Yeah, yes, this is true. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to miss out on, uh, I mean, it's, it, you know, an adventure focused lifestyle uh there's certain things there's compromises to be made you know you have to live your life in an adventure ready uh mode almost you know and we um uh but we you know we like going new places and meeting new people and things like that that's what gives us our energy to 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 keep going but it is an addiction like we both have jobs where we can work from home because and online because i don't i could never work in an office again because i just want to not miss out on anything if I if I have a great opportunity to do something, you know. Mm. But ten years in an office for both of us will certainly teach you that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah. doubt. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, we need to have the two of you back on to talk surfing, and the reason is because, believe it or not, we have done very little with surfing on the Adventure Sports Podcast, and it's it's not because we've avoided it. Um, on the contrary, we can't catch up with the surfers; they're always out on the water or something. <laughs> That's I don't right. know. But yeah. yeah. It would We're be a blast late. to talk surfing with you. We'd love to talk surfing. We're um I was also a late bloomer for that too. So, so was, yeah, yeah. Another thing anyone can learn if I can do it. Yeah, if you can um come to it in your mid twenties still. You'll never be as good as it's always annoying to see the p- kids that have picked it up when they're twelve, but Oh yeah. The pe- but the people who start when they're twelve, they tend to lose their stoke by the time that they're kind of well, you know, I am early twenties. Yeah, whereas we're still <laughs> we're still so keen to get in the water every day. So <laughs> um no matter how bad it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's whereas fantastic. They are, yeah. They only want to go out when it's good. So well, there are a couple of things we should mention, Scott, before we run yep. out of time here. Um, BikeGang.cc. Yes. Yeah, so we documented, um, we, we basically posted a, a travel blog um, from our Cycle Across America uh, every day. Um, and it's up at BikeGang.cc. I always thought the CC could stand for Cycling Club. So uh, if you think of it like that, the BikeGang.cc, BikeGang Cycling Club. So that's that's still up there on the internet. Um, it's it's got, just a useful resource, I think, for like, you know, camping spots and stuff as well as just <laughs> a place for our memories. Yeah, I mean, it feels more like a, a personal scrapbook at this yeah. stage. It's nice for us to log on to it for ourselves, you know, and uh, and flick through every now and then. But we've also got we've got a, done a bunch of other trips that have uh, that have found their way up there. And then you, you already mentioned Andrea Moore and the Wayfaring Band. Yes. Yes. So yes. just a sound bite. What is a wafering band? We're going to try to get them on the show so that we can learn more about it. But you guys are on the board of directors. So what's it about? The wafering band is a band of travelers, not a rock band, where we take adults experiencing special needs as well as um, norm- normative people on adventure travels. And yes. we learn life skills from each other and it's just the best fun in the world yeah the brilliant thing about it is we take people who are 
school teachers, a lot of students, a lot of B, uh, CU students mm -hmm. end up coming with us. Um, and uh, basically, and then so we'll combine that group with, uh, we'll usually have 12 band members. And our band members are usually uh, a, a lot of folks experiencing Down syndrome or autism spectrum stuff. Um, and we'll just combine it in this great big melting pot. And then we'll go try and do something crazy, like uh, load up 20 people in a bus. And then just, you know, the last trip that we did, we went out to Yellowstone. And uh, we've been to Mexico with the band. We've Taught some guys how to surf in Mexico, Mexico when they were living there. Um, you know, they've, they've just come back from a big trip to Scotland. Oh, and they went on a sailboat in the Bahamas. Bahamas, you know. And so this is a Denver-based organization. We've just celebrated our fifth birthday, actually. And... Uh, and uh, we're always looking for, for people to get interested in us, especially in the Denver area. We do take an artist in residence on every trip too. So um, you can apply for that program um, to be taken for free, basically, uh, and, and just uh, and bring your uh, artistic artistic view on the world <laughs> along with us just to, just, to, just to help the group gel. And then um, um, but we also take leadership fellows. So anyone who's looking to learn about, um, different uh, about learning to navigate the waters of difference, and that's what we're really about: is is trying to bring disparate groups together, and uh, people can sign up to come on a wayfaring band trip with us, and uh, and and we'll go somewhere cool and have some great times, and you'll learn a bunch of stuff that you didn't know before. Yeah. Wow, that sounds fascinating. It really does. Scott. Yeah. So, like I said, we'll try to get Andrea on the show because we need to find out more about that. I love the concept of you know, doing adventurous things, doing adventure travel, doing it with others and doing it with a purpose and then yeah. taking people along who, for whatever reason, might be challenged to have those experiences without a group like this to help out. So how cool is that? That's precisely right. I mean, in, travel has been a huge thing in my life. It's completely, it's changed the way that I think, feel and act in the world. And um, there's a lot of people that don't get to experience that. And the more people that we can get out there, I think the world will be a better place because you don't meet too many travelers that, uh, that, uh, that, that, that don't share the viewpoint that we can all just sort of get along, you know, because <laughs> we sure. know we can. <laughs> I think that that's what happens when our world expands a little bit. Right. Yeah. You gain that perspective totally. and realize, oh, what? <laughs> Why can't yeah. we all get along? You know, we should yeah, be able to. Right. If it yeah. if it weren't for the the one percent of people on the planet that want to control things and, and make rules, <laughs> I think that the rest oh, of us would be just I, happy. I mean that's right. I mean, there are, there are plenty of reasons why we can't all get along, but we're working through them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, it's been a blast to visit with the two of you and thank you for joining us from Australia so that we could hear about your trip across the United States. It's kind of funny that you're in Australia telling us about the U.S. where I am, but it, it works. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, good. I'm glad it does. Maybe you can um, just have a really short trip here and then tell us about Australia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be delightful. That would be delightful. Yeah. Really, really good. cool. <laughs> well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, no, Kurt. Great love, talking to you. Yeah, we, we, we absolutely love the podcast. So thanks so much for having us on. It's our honor to have people like you on to share your life experiences with the rest of us. And so thanks for that. And for all of our listeners out there, man, isn't it exciting to think about what you can do if you just kind of let go of your entanglements and free your mind and take off and try something? Maybe grab a couple of panniers and a bike and go to a foreign country and, and move there experience life on that level how cool would that be 
Until the next show, make sure you do get out there, have some fun. Coming up on Thursday's episode, Linus Wilson is back to fill us in on his latest sailing adventures. Until then, get out and have some fun. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.